What's up, everybody? Welcome back inside Lucas Oil Stadium for a day two recap of Big Ten Media Days. You know, it's just really interesting um, talk about Jim Harbaugh, um, just the way that he deals with the, uh, the media. That was my Jim Harbaugh impression. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. That's the 40-year vet, Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. Yes, we just heard from the Michigan man himself, Jim Harbaugh, about the NCAA uh, investigation into him, the impending four-game suspension, and lack thereof comment from Jim Harbaugh as he declined to comment about any of it, said he can't comment on even the distraction that a potential NCAA investigation could pose I'm on trying to team. work that in there, that um, question. Harbaugh also declined to comment on uh, moving the Ohio State-Michigan game due to potentially playing it back-to-back uh, in years to come if the championship game is without divisions. He had a lot to say about the mood of his program now that he's beaten Ohio State two years in a row. Uh, was reminded of those beat Ohio State or die trying comments from two years ago. I wrote a scathing column about it that I probably would take back if I could because it doesn't look that great in hindsight considering he's now won two straight. Tim, after hearing from Jim Harbaugh for 45 minutes, what's your biggest takeaway? J.J. Uh, McCarthy is a once-every-ten-years quarterback, Yeah. number one. Uh, number two, he has no comment whatsoever on anything to do with the NCAA. I even asked him, he did have a comment a little bit about the, the uh, about when I asked him about Congress uh, trying to put together a bill that will add some guardrails for one of another term. I hate that term. Yep. But to the uh, NIL, NIL front, maybe even the transfer portal front, who knows, the NCAA looking for help in that regard. And, he did have some interesting comments there about why shouldn't a, uh, a player be able to go wherever he wants to go and, and, and be happy, him and his par- he and his parents. And uh, so he had a little bit of an answer there. He, he did smile when I said NCAA there because uh, he thought I was trying to pull one over on him. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't going to comment anyway. But my takeaway is he feels pretty good about his football team, feels really good about his coaching staff. And remember, this time a year ago, guys, they were coming off a Big Ten championship and he had dallied uh, the idea of trying to get back in the NFL and taking uh, in the Minnesota Vikings job, but didn't get offered that job in a final analysis. Several of his assistant coaches, including both coordinators, left. They put together a staff after that, and what'd they do? They did once again beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten Championship in this building, and went and played in the uh, college football playoffs. And just like Ohio State, they got beat in the first round. Not not quite the embarrassing moment for Ohio State in that first round as it was for Michigan losing to Texas Christian. But the point is, he's got something going on at Michigan now, which he didn't have four or five years ago, three or four years ago. And you can tell almost by the confident way he speaks about things now, he feels pretty good about his football team again. It's so weird that this is an Ohio State show and we're just breaking down Michigan, but that's that's the state of the oh, rivalry right now. That's who spoke today. Ohio that's, State was here yesterday. That's the state of the rivalry right now. It's interesting because I would argue that Michigan has something they didn't even have last year at this time, and that's um, a reason to be the top dog. Like After 2021, a lot of people thought it was, okay, it was one game, it was in the snow, it was in Ann Arbor, Ohio's just going to get back to taking care of business. That was very evident by the preseason poll by Cleveland.com yep. because Ohio State was the unanimous favorite head in this building. To, bring, to come back to this building last year. And Michigan just turned around and did it again. And so now they are the unquestioned top dog in this league. And you can tell, yeah. you can tell, Ohio State faced a lot of questions about uncertainties on the roster and you know who's going to step up to help them beat Michigan and how are they going to get back in this building in four months. 
and Michigan took a lot of questions about the mood of the program and you know how he's been able to do what he's doing now and it's just a completely different equation than it was even a year ago Andy. Well Michigan has something that Ohio State doesn't that's a starting quarterback right now they know who's going to be under center week one and, and that's something they didn't know last year when they had Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy now Cade McNamara is at Iowa as their starting quarterback and JJ McCarthy is someone who was compared to today to by uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen by, by Jim Harbaugh. So they're well, very they, confident they, in quick his. Quick correction, though. They did know who their starting quarterback was going into the first. It was Cade McNamara, well, who had taken to a championship, but Harbaugh had left it open as a competition. Yes, yeah, be, for to sure. To be played out on the field. And that's what potentially exactly. could happen for Ohio State. Exactly. He was asked about that today. Was What was the advantage of going into the season with that mindset of trying out both quarterbacks? Yeah. And he said, well, it gives you real data points for actual game analysis. You're not just going off what happened in the spring game or the practice field. And I think that's something they're looking forward to for Ohio State if they do go down that route. Yeah, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic with the rivalry right now. We love to talk about Ohio State versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Michigan, Michigan versus Ohio State. But the bottom line is like, it's Ohio State versus Ohio State, and it's Michigan versus Ohio State. Because, like, Ohio State has to do some introspective peaking to figure out what's gone wrong in the last two years. Whereas Michigan is just like, yeah, at the end of the year, we're going to play Ohio State. And we won't, And they can say, we're on top of the rivalry right now. And so there is this, this weird dichotomy of this rivalry now. That, yeah. That, and for Ohio State, it's what's gone wrong at the end of the year. You know, I mean, which is yeah. what, you know, uh, Competitive stamina, you know, was the big yeah. term last year. When they needed it the most, they didn't get it, you know, at the yeah. end of the year. And uh, you're right. I mean, Michigan is is definitely, and Michigan does have room to gloat with yeah. two straight championships. One, emphatically, on the field by number one, beating, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, right? So yeah. they did it two years in a row and then win the championship game. And, yeah, that is a, that is a, that is a different uh mindset from one to the other. Closing the book on this Michigan discussion, Blake Corum talked, uh, defensive back Mike Sanders still talked, and then you had a defensive tackle, uh, Chris Jenkins talked. That's a confident group, guys. I don't yeah. know what else to say. Like Blake Corum knows he's really good. He knows he's healthy, and he knows that he probably would have did what Donovan Edwards did to the Ohio State defense last year. So not much reason for him not to be healthy. Uh, I thought it was cool that he tipped his cap to all the running backs in the league. I, I asked him what it is about this league that makes it you know, so good with running backs. and. You know, he was really complimentary of not only Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams, but you know Nick Singleton and Braylon Allen. And I just thought it was cool that you know that rivalry is so heated, but there is a little bit of that running back brotherhood that you see come out when you ask these guys about it. I thought that was cool. But other than that, like these Michigan players are as confident as anybody in this building, uh, and that includes you know I thought Marvin Harrison Jr. was the confidence, the most confident person here yesterday. Blake Corum probably takes that crown today, Andy. Yeah, well, and he's, as you said, he should be for everything he accomplished last year and then what he has to look forward to this year. And he even talked about how the last carries he had last season were against Ohio State in Columbus. And he just remembers that feeling of, of knowing he couldn't go anymore. Yeah, he's symbolic yeah. more than the yeah. The he was threat. a decoy a little bit at the beginning, and then Donovan Edwards took over, and then he couldn't play in that Big Ten championship game against Purdue and then ended up not playing against TCU. Right. So really – that game in Columbus was the last time we saw Blake Corum last season. But this is, as Jim Harbaugh said, probably the most talented Michigan team he's had in his time there. And, and it's certainly probably the most returning talent in all of the Big Ten. Yeah, so that kind of puts the closing chapter on the Michigan portion of the show. If you don't want to watch Michigan uh, on this show, too bad. 
Uh, I guess that's all I have to say. Uh, Luke Fickle also took the stage, Tim. That's the important part. Um, you were asked by a few different people about Luke Fickle, uh, and then you asked Luke Fickle quite a few questions. Yeah. Um, he doesn't forget his roots at all. Nope. He has no interest in talking about the Halloween matchup in Madison uh, that Letterman Row will be at, on site for. Right. And he's ready to just coach ball at Wisconsin and be a Badger. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting when you know a fella and you've known him since he was 16, 17 years old. You see him go through the trials and tribulations, and now you see him at the head of what, you know, historically has been, at least over the last uh, several decades, uh, with some dips, historically been one of the toughest programs in the Big Ten. Yes. And they hired him. Um, funny, when I think of Luke Fickle, I think about him playing nose guard, one technique, whatever you want to call it, at Ohio State, and being one of the toughest sons of guns you've ever seen, playing the Rose Bowl with a torn pec muscle. And that guy has evolved even as a, from a coaching standpoint, uh, philosophy standpoint, he wants to run a spread offense to a certain extent, a wide open kind of approach. They're still gonna run the ball, but this is totally anti what Wisconsin has been all about for the last, since Barry Alvarez showed up. You know, and uh, that one little dalliance they had there before Barry Alvarez showed up with the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the triple option. So uh, it's really interesting to see if that's going, if that's going to work in the first year. They've gotten some pretty good transfers in there, including quarterback. They've gotten a, real, a really talented offensive coordinator, but it's Luke Fickle growing as a coach, who is now confident in other guys coaching. What he, you know what I mean, with him, and uh, and you, you just think about that. I do think about that interim head coaching job he had at Ohio State way back in 2011 when he was thrust into the fire on Memorial Day when Jim Trussell was forced to, to step down and we only got to hire one coach. And who did he hire? Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel to take his place on the coaching staff. And now, where'd Vrabel end up now? He was the he was a NFL coach of the year two years ago with the Tennessee Titans. Where's Luke Fickle now? He's considered, uh, he's, he's been considered a rising big time coach for years now, but now he's at Wisconsin against one of Ohio State's, should be one of Ohio State's hated rivals, yeah. <laughs> based on what Wisconsin did to Ohio State a few times way back when. So uh, I, I just think it's interesting because uh, uh, this is a very confident young man who learned, like he said, I wrote a story about it for Letterman Row. You can read, ladies and gentlemen, LettermanRow.com. But who he learned under, you know, John Cooper, uh, Jim Trussell, uh, Jim Haycock, former defense coordinator at Ohio State, Urban Meyer, of course. Now he kind of like, took everything they had uh, to say, but also formed his own identity, his own approach. And he didn't go, he didn't go to uh, Wisconsin as a former Ohio State, you know, protege of Urban Meyer or something. He went to Wisconsin as the coach who took Cincinnati to a New Year's Day bowl, so to speak, one of the, one of the top tier bowls a couple of years ago. He is his own man now. And that's what stood out the most today about not only his presentation, but his approach. I thought it was interesting, Andy. I know the Big Ten didn't mean to do this, because why would they do this? But we got to talk to probably the two biggest challenges to Ohio State on the schedule. Uh, I know Penn State's on the schedule. I know. But they go to Madison, and then they, they go to Ann Arbor. I think that's the two hardest games. Those are the two hardest games on the schedule. And Luke Fickle talked at, I think, 1230. Jim Harbaugh talked at 1245. We got to hear him back to back. So was, I just thought it was really interesting, that, like from an Ohio State perspective, like there it is. There's your two big road challenges. 
and uh, we got to hear from both of them today. I thought that was kind of a cool little wrinkle of, of today, two, day two of Big Ten Media Days. Well, the Wisconsin game comes right after the Penn State game. So you get Penn State at home, which is the biggest home game of the year. All the recruits are going to be there. Let's say you win that game. Well, then you're going straight to Madison for, I don't know, we don't know the time yet, but it could be a night game yeah. situation there. And Halloween weekend. Yeah, it'll be a tough game to win for sure. And Luke Fickle talked about like the reason why Wisconsin was a choice was because he wanted to get back to the Big Ten. And, you know, as great as the accomplishments he had at Cincinnati, they moved to the Big 12. Clearly, he wants to be back here in the Big Ten. And it's just a situation where, yeah, you've got these great matchups now with not only Jim Harbaugh versus Ryan Day, but now you're going to have Luke Fickle versus Ryan Day. And, yeah, you mentioned it, Tim, complete offensive philosophy switch for Wisconsin here. You bring in Phil Longo, offensive coordinator. Tanner Mordecai is a quarterback from SMU who's a gunslinger. Yep. And a couple transfer-wide receivers, too. And all of a sudden, you're looking at this Wisconsin team, and it's like it's hard to recognize the same program. But he was asked about that today, and he said, why not? Why not go that route? Right. I mean, and something needed to change. They need that offensive line to be better again as well. But it – it's not a bad thing to have change sometimes. Yeah, and, and if he delivers the W's at W, there you go. Uh, nobody's going to care what he's running. He could be running the uh, he could be running the wishbone. Nobody cares, you know. Although they did dally with that, as I said uh, years ago. And I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm not meaning to jump ahead here, but the same kind of feeling should be going on in Lincoln, Nebraska, because Matt Rule, as as I was telling the the Lincoln writers, or and, and some radio guys. What stands out about this guy is he showed up, and I was talking to one of his one of his linemen, uh, Mike Epstein. What what he showed up with a plan. I mean, he showed up with a what he's done at Temple and Baylor before he went and tried to be an NFL head coach. And we all all know how. Uh, I don't know what's the word, the best word I'm looking for. Almost almost crazy to jump from college football to the NFL and think you're going to do it the same way. Yeah. You can't you can't do that. Uh, we've seen examples of that. I won't name them all. One strikes close to home. But the bottom line is he is in his element as a college football coach. And what did he say when he was talking about getting back into coaching? He wanted to coach a team in the Big Ten. That's what he told his wife. Uh, and, boy, he jumped at that Nebraska job and uh, I think campaigned for it, it sounds like. But the bottom line is he knows what he's doing. There's a plan every day for that team to get better. It's not about what you did yesterday. It's about what are you doing today to get better uh, headed into tomorrow and then repeat. And these two coaches, man, I've, I've been saying this for, for months now, they're going to really stir the drink in the Big Ten West, which those well, are big-time additions. Let's extend it to, to Purdue then, too, because I thought Ryan Walters was impressive, and yeah. you're going to see a really good defense there from Purdue. We haven't seen that in a while because Jeff Brom's been such an offensive-minded coach. Now Ryan Walters, as a defensive coordinator in Illinois turned head coach at Purdue now. He spoke today, too. I was impressed with him. The first-year head coaches in this league, um, not slouches, ladies and gentlemen. I, I think that this league has elevated its stature once again with its head coaching hires. If it had just been defense last year, Illinois would have beaten Michigan, but it wasn't. Yeah, well, they have to go back to West Lafayette this year, and that's been a, a rude awakening for Ohio State the last few times they've been there. So yeah. it, it's certainly another game on the schedule to you circle. You know, the question I didn't get to ask him, and I meant to come back, and then I was busy doing something else, was there, he was talking profusely about the renovations that have gone on at ross Aid Stadium, and I wanted to go, yeah, and I held my hand up, but it was too late to get called on. But, but Coach, have y'all renovated that ridiculous, awful, should be condemned visitors' locker room, which I bet they haven't. I mean, that's the worst locker room 
for a visiting team probably in the Big Ten now. But that's part of what makes... Close to Penn State. Penn State has always been bad. But that's part of what makes that road trip so tough. I guess. You, you walk into a, a garbage locker room and you just got to focus up and play football. Yeah, but so. Iowa still paints theirs pink, the visitor's locker room, but at least they renovated it. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, but yeah, I agree with you about Ryan Walters. I mean, it's a different look in the West, man. And, uh, and that's what's too bad because this yeah. time of year from now, all the talk's going to be about there are no divisions. How do you even like foment uh, uh, rancor or whatever about a team you you may play only once every two or three years or you know twice every six years or something? I mean, I'm not a fan of that. I, I'm a fan of having rivalries that actually matter on whether you finish first or second or third uh, on a continual basis. I really think you, I think fans are going to miss that. Well, it's a weird thing that Spencer mentioned with this season. It's like this big cloud hanging over 2023. 2024 is going to look vastly different. It's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. No divisions in the Big Ten. And then the college football playoffs could be 12 teams versus four. So this is really yeah. the last go at what everyone's kind of known since 2014. And they're going to be thinking three, at least three, maybe even four Big Ten teams are going to get in on that, on that uh, bonanza. We'll see if that happens. But you're exactly right. A totally different day is coming. The last hoorah for college football as we know it, uh, some might say. Uh, the last hoorah of the Big Ten media days without USC and UCLA. Two new members <laughs> coming into the league next year. They'll be on in Indianapolis next year. Letterman Monroe should be here. I wouldn't expect Yeah, unless they have this in L.A. or something. <laughs> if they do. Um, Which would be a big mistake. That would be stupid. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> um, that is nice. That is pretty uh, succinct. As we wrap this thing up, I wanted to, to close and, and really make Tim lock in like a laser, uh, make Andy lock in like a laser. You guys now have had a full 24 hours to chew on everything that Ryan the Day propaganda, said. The propaganda, et cetera. Yeah. To, to chew on what Ryan Day had to say yesterday. Oh. If there's one guy that you're now intrigued by that maybe you weren't on the drive west on 70 to get over here, who is it, Tim? One guy. I can name one player uh, on the Ohio State, not, not the quarterbacks, okay? Okay, we'll go no quarterback, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, Luke Montgomery. Only because he, he didn't just throw his name out there. He repeated it a few times. Uh, Luke Montgomery. A couple by being asked. But, yeah, he did repeat it a matter. couple times. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He never named Zen Mikulski, which was interesting, at least in the uh, 45 minutes we got to really grill him. But I think that just might, better, might have been out of omission. Were we grilling him? Well, yeah. You got to ask some tough questions about the Michigan game and everything else, uh, but but Luke Montgomery, uh, I was we were saying this earlier. I was talking about him coming out of spring. I knew Justin Fry really liked him. He had work to do, he had things to get to. I'm talking about at left tackle, meaning uh, working his way into maybe at least getting some some uh, reps there at, re at left tackle in real games. But you got to remember when the season starts, he will have been at Ohio State for nine months. Uh, as as Ryan Day said, he doesn't. He doesn't call those freshmen who showed up in January true freshmen anymore. They they've been around, yeah. and and in, in these days, if they're good enough, you got to play them. Yeah, you, you you stupid to waste them. I think Luke Montgomery is more in the picture now of playing somewhere on that offensive line, probably at left tackle. Not declaring he's going to be a starter day one or whenever. But that was interesting coming out of uh, Ryan Day's mouth. I have to go with uh, Kenyatta Jackson we were talking about before the show. Just someone that in the spring caught our eye, all of us, just watching Including that. the coaches. Yeah, well, and the defensive line dominated. And part of that is the offensive line struggling a little bit. But Kenyatta is someone that Ryan Day says looked like an NFL player right now. 
and certainly looked that way in the spring. And, and I guess the question is how many of these defensive linemen can really get you know, meaningful snaps. The rotation has been quite lengthy under Larry Johnson, and, and I'm wondering how much that's going to go into play this year. But it feels like Kenyatta Jackson is one of those guys that's going to get those you snaps. Gotta, but you have to have the feel, right, just like you, every year under Larry Johnson. He's going to try to play two guys at each spot. And uh, Kenyatta Jackson, and like we, like we talked about, Caden Curry have got to get on the field. I think Caden Curry's a different guy than he was at the end of the season last year. But Kenyatta Jackson, how many stories I write about him in the spring? I already write stories, right? A lot. I wrote two. A lot. And uh, I really I agree with my man over there, Andy Baxter, who this time a year ago was covering Boston College. I'm going to see in real football players. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little, but I have an explanation for it, okay? So don't say anything when I give my player because I will explain why. I'm going with Emeka Ibuka. And the reason I'm going with Emeka Ibuka is because I'll plug it because I thought it was fun to do. Yesterday, on Wednesday, I went over to the On3 booth, sat down with Andy Staples for a little segment for his national show, the Andy Staples On3 show. Go check it out on YouTube. And I mentioned that Emeka Ibuka only had 100 fewer receiving yards than Marvin Harrison Jr. last year. All the eyeballs are on Marvin Harrison Jr. all offseason. There's a guy on the roster who only had 100 fewer yards than him and is getting none. Yeah, he's getting some run. But he's not getting, like, you tell a very plugged-in college football personality that Emeka Buka had, 100, his name, had yeah. 100 fewer yards than Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think the people in this building would not believe you until you showed them the stats. Yeah. And that's the reason I think that he's being slept on big time like you knew he was good you knew he was the second best receiver on the roster you didn't know he was that good and ryan day made the comment somebody asked a uh, good friend of the show doug lay maurice I, I think he was the one who asked you know how do you worry about getting marvin his touches getting him the ball right and ryan made the ryan day made the comment at the end of that well their teams are also going to have to worry about a mecca and if they don't and he kind of just left it open-ended yeah that tells me a lot about what they know Teams are going to but do I don't, that. I don't know how Mecca Booker could be a surprise to any coach who's prepping to play Ohio State, number one, if people are paying attention. From the Rose Bowl on, uh, you know, when he and Marvin Harrison Jr. finally got to play some. And number two, uh, the interesting thing about Mecca Booker, you say he was the second best receiver on the roster last Actually, he was the third best receiver because probably Jackson Smith and Jigba would Thank still you, get that rating. But the point is, <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba, the problems he went through last year and didn't get to play – are paying dividends for Ohio State now. Yeah. Because you've got two major threats. I agree with you 100%. You've got two major threats at the wide receiver spots, and probably more when you figure Julian Fleming, uh, this is his last chance to really sh show out. And then the rising guys we're going to see in Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, just to name a couple, uh, I agree with you that Emeka Ibuka could be that talked about guy because, as Marvin Harrison Jr. pointed out, coming out of the slot, man, you know, pick your poison. Yeah, so I just think that he's a guy that obviously I had on my brain, you know, coming over here as somebody who covers the team. But I think that people are going to get to know him a little more as teams shadow Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, a safety goes over the top on that three-by-one. You get Emeka Buk in even more one-on-ones than you had last year. Like, I think – I think there's going to be some good things ahead. And, and what stands out about for him number is two. he has lifted the game for these other guys. Even Marvin Harrison Jr. talked about what Emeka Ibuka, he has learned from him. 
just watching and also talking about yak yards after catch because this guy makes a makes a catch and makes a cut and goes. He's decisive. That's why they had him liked him in the punt return game or the in the kickoff return game to a certain extent. Is he may he, he's that kind of special player after the catch and uh, that's what's you're right. I mean that you double team uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. You double look him at your own peril. Yeah, we might even see him on the outside too because yeah. they're talking about moving Marvin on the slot quite a bit more than they did last year and. And I think that's an effort to, A, make them more versatile as an offense, but B, Mismatch. help these guys be more rounded, uh, well-rounded as players. And I think that, you know, we saw Emeka a lot in the slot last year. I think we'll see him outside as well. I so. think we'll see Emeka in the backfield. I think, you know, you'll see him. I'm, I'm talking about the way they use Jack Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl. You're going to see all kinds of, like, uh, schematic uh, uh, challenges for the opposing defensive coordinator. And in the coming days and weeks ahead, you'll see Letterman Row in all kinds of ways that will present challenges to people abroad and domestic. I don't know what that means, but we'll be here covering Ohio State all year long, just like we did all week long here in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. I'm about to hop on I-70, head east, and get home. That's Andy Backstrom. That's Tim May, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching the Big Ten Media Days Day 2 Recap presented by Buyers Auto, the fine folks at Buyers Auto if you need a new or used auto head to Buyers Auto, the best place to buy a newer used auto in Central Ohio. Again, Andy Baxter, Tim May, the 40-year vet. By the way, young man, uh, Slippery Noodle called, and one of y'all left your uh, ID there, I guess, last night. But fun times at I'll the... I'll just leave it at that. Fun times at the Slippery Noodle may or may not have been had, Tim. Uh, that's I'll leave it at that. For now, I'm going to get back to Columbus before you get me in any trouble. Uh, but thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe below. Rate, review. They help us out in every single way. We will see you back in Columbus as the Buckeyes kick off training camp next week.